people ask, what's the best way to get connected at Grace? And undoubtedly, I would say a life group. And it's not new when you think back to Jesus and the 12. This has been in place for about 2,000 years. So it's not really an original idea, but it's powerful. When we gather together in that kind of community, that closeness of prayer and scripture, it is a relationship risk. If you go to a life group, you don't quite like it, you can go to another group, nothing personal. You're trying to find the best fit. But we've got about 50 groups, different nights, locations, here at the church, in homes, lots of different options. And the plus side is you get to choose what's gonna work best for you. But I know for Lori and I, in our walk with God, being in a life group has been really, really important throughout our entire marriage. And wanna encourage you to take that step by faith to check one out, get involved. Life groups, we're talking about being connected. Nothing better than life groups here at Grace. And in this series, Connected, we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. If you brought a Bible, you can open it up, or on your phone, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When you hear the word connected, most people say, yes, that's a good thing. I, I know God wants that. I know I'm wired that way. How do you get connected? And each week, we're looking at a different aspect of with. Because you don't get connected alone. It's not solo, it's with. And in the Bible, there's so many different angles of connection and ways that with happens. Connected is the vision, with is the how. Today, we're gonna look at with one purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, with one purpose. I also wanna remind you, this is the weekend, once a month, that the elders come forward at the end of the message, and you can come forward for prayer. They have oil. They're simply gonna ask you, what do you want prayer for? And the reason they have oil is it's James chapter five. This isn't our idea, it's God's idea, it's God's design, and God restores, God heals, God answers prayer. And you'll have a chance to come forward, maybe trust Christ for the first time, physical healing, relationships that need prayer for, that's at the end of the message, the elders will be up front. As we pray today, let's lift up Israel and the situation there. Father God, we thank you that you are a refuge, strength, and ever-present help in trouble. And Father, you're the one that we go to. And Father, we lift up our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And Father, today, as we look out across the globe, we think of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, and God, we are grieving with those who have lost loved ones. And God, we are also asking for your wisdom, for leaders, military leaders, government leaders, and many countries there and here as well. Father, we pray for your protection. God, we pray for healing for those who have been injured. God, we pray that you would bring good out of this situation. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, and we pray in all the nations in the Middle East, God, they would turn to you and find shalom in you right now. God, we need your help, and it's heartbreaking what we're seeing. We rely on you. And God, as we enter into your word, help us to know what you've called us to do locally and globally, how we can build each other up and how you empower us. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. When you read the Bible, context is crucial. When you open up one of the 66 books, it's important to note where is this and what's happening. When you look at Corinthians, that's a city called Corinth, and it's in present-day Greece. Here's a map if this helps. Paul is writing to people he loves. He traveled there. It was his second missionary journey, about 51 AD, and it's found in Acts chapter 18. As Paul arrived at Corinth, 
he was coming alongside of, first in the synagogue and then the community, people who were seeking, people who were hungry for God, people who were open. When you show up where you live, work, learn, or play, notice who's hungry for God, who's open, what are some conversations you can have. As Paul shared his faith and shared about Jesus, people came to know the Lord, and a church was formed. Now, Corinth is not a godly place. For a church to be there, it's really gonna be a process of sanctification, which is a a word that means becoming more like Jesus or growing, growing spiritually. And the church in Corinth is different than some of the other churches. As Paul writes to the Ephesians or the Thessalonians, the Philippians, they're growing and the fruit is more abundant. The Corinthian church is struggling. They're struggling. Now, when you think of Corinth, it's a place of a lot of materialism. There is, there are people chasing after every pleasure, whatever they want, they're going for it. There's a lot of immorality, there's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of business happening, and there is a hunger for sin far more than there's a hunger for the Savior. That's the context when Paul writes this letter and he talks about being connected, this is gonna be very countercultural. And for us today, connected is very countercultural. Abiding with Jesus 24-7, connected closely in relationship, where do you see this? In the sound, it's not as common. In Corinth, it definitely wasn't common. It's a countercultural call. In Corinth, people are consumed and absorbed with themselves. And this is gonna be a call to serve because connecting and serving go together. If you don't wanna serve, you're not really gonna connect Connecting and serving, they're synonymous in many ways. They run together. How, and listen, it was scary for Paul to go to Corinth. He said, I was scared. I came with fear and trembling. God will call you to difficult places in relationships and conversations. And on the inside, you might be scared. But notice those feelings didn't stop him from faithfulness. Paul went forward trusting God. Don't let those initial feelings of being scared and uncomfortable and timid, don't let those have the final say, continue to move forward, because God can do great things. He does his greatest work in the darkest moments and even the darkest places. Corinth is gonna be a place where sin abounds. It has a reputation. In America, Las Vegas has a reputation. There's places that have a reputation for just sin being so prevalent. And that's the picture in Corinth. And yet, he's gonna courageously bring this calling to connect, to serve. How in the world can selfish people develop a passion and heart to serve? To connect and walk with God and to serve their family, their friends, their church, and their community. That's the transformation that Jesus brings, and we're gonna look at this serving with three different aspects. The first is that we serve with God's perspective. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse four, let's really embrace God's perspective today. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're gonna come back to that phrase, for the common good. If you were reading the Bible and you wanted to highlight or circle, you'd circle that phrase, for the common good. Spiritual gifts are given by God for the common good. Now, what is God's perspective with spiritual gifts? 
First of all, they're not as important as a bunch of other things. Your identity in Christ is far more important. Who you are is far more important than what you do. And what you do is not who you are. Your identity in Christ, you're in God's family forever. You're his son, his daughter, that security that comes from that, that's what's far more important than anything you're gonna do with your spiritual gifts. Here's the second thing. The fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, and peace that God brings, that far exceeds the talents you have. And here's another one. Your character is more important than your gifts. Character over charisma. We're in a culture where we love the bells and whistles, the charisma, the personalities, who's got the it factor. Your character is more important than charisma. If someone has a bunch of charisma and no character, it all comes crumbling down. Character. Listen, this is God's perspective. Identity, fruit of the spirit, character, far more important than your spiritual gifts. Well, does that mean spiritual gifts aren't that important? Absolutely not. They're very significant. They're a big part of what God is doing in his kingdom, in you and through you, it's gonna be through spiritual gifts. Here's two traps to avoid when it comes to spiritual gifts. Sometimes people over-focus on spiritual gifts. The Corinthians loved the spectacular spiritual gifts. They were enamored by those. If you are in a setting where you over-focus on spiritual gifts, a couple things happen. People start to try to define their worth based on their gifting. That's a mess. Performance-based value, identity, worth, it's, it's a trap. Also, people envy other people because it's all based on gifts. They compare, they get jealous. They rank gifts and they rank people. They see people as second rate who don't have the same gifts as other people. Also, people get burned out in that setting because if it's all about what you do, you're just gonna try to do more and more of it to either keep people happy or to think you're valuable or to think you've got to earn God's love. People get burned out in that environment. They hide behind their gifts. They wanna put their gifts up front if they're very gifted and then hide behind those and maybe live a double life. And ultimately, they miss out on the grace of God. There's people serving in the church for 20 years that just don't really understand and receive the grace of God. They think it's all about performance. That's an overfocus on spiritual gifts. Here's the other trap. Underfocus on spiritual gifts, the other extreme. If that happens, people are unaware that God gives spiritual gifts. They're unaware of their own gifts as well. They neglect their gifts. They're inactive, very passive. They remain immature. They feel defeated instead of the victories we have in Christ. They make excuses and they just sit around and watch everyone else use their spiritual gifts. Those are the two traps to avoid. Instead, here's the solution for the common good. That phrase is so powerful. In our culture, we love individualism, and sometimes we say initially, it just feels better to be solo, to be a little isolated, to do my own thing the way I wanna do it, when I wanna do it, and we get into this um, self-consumed mentality. And it just seems good because you know what? It's easier, it's more comfortable. I call the shots. Solo is never better. Connected is better. We all need some times alone and refresh and rethink and get some quiet. That's healthy. Jesus did that every morning. That's a good thing. But there's a difference between having some time alone with God and then living in a way that's not connected 
with those deep friendships and family and with God. And God wants us, there's nothing better than being connected. And Paul's bringing this message through Paul. It's really Jesus bringing the message. And who is he writing? The Corinthians. If you read this entire book, which I encourage you to do, this is what you're gonna see going through the book. The Corinthians have divisions. They have a lot of sexual immorality. They have lawsuits. They're drunk. They're selfish. They have no respect or reverence for communion. The list goes on and on. And those are symptoms of a selfishness in Corinth, a selfishness. Here's the key shift today. Don't miss this. Paul, and ultimately God, here's a call for the Corinthians to shift from what's best for me to what's best for us. Don't miss that shift. In an individualistic culture, that shift is foreign to us. There's other cultures around the world, like in Asian culture, it's more common to value what's best for us. But sometimes in our individualistic, even the Western side of America, we are just locked into what's best for me. That's my filter. That's my true source. That's my North Star. What's best for me? And I'm telling you, if you take that posture and that's your belief, you are going to miss out on so much God wants to do. If you step into friendships with what's best for me, how deep are those friendships going to be? It's just not gonna be very deep. If you step into marriage, what's best for me? You're not gonna have a vibrant marriage. You're not gonna have a peaceful marriage. You're not gonna have a united marriage. Why? Because you're thinking what's best for me, not what's best for us. If you step into the church and you're just like, well, what's best for me? This, this, my preference is it's all about right here. This is the, the filter that counts. You're gonna totally miss out on the community, the body of Christ in what's best for us. There are so many times in life where if you settle for what's best for me, it'll feel good initially and it'll leave you empty. It'll leave you empty. But if you think what's best for us, initially there might be some more sacrifice and compromise, but that's where you find the abundant life of Jesus. The Corinthians, Paul doesn't back down or water down the call, the shift from what's best for me to what's best for us. You can't have a healthy church where there's not a commitment not staff, talking the whole church, the body. If the body is not committed to what's best for us, you'll never have a fullness. The church will never be what God's designed it to be. There's just no way to have a dynamic, spirit-filled church with a bunch of people that are entering in thinking, what's best for me? God challenges us. These are deciding times. Your flesh is gonna scream, do what's best for me. It's all about me. The culture is gonna tell you, it's all about you. You're first. God and everyone else is way down the list. That's what the culture will scream. And the devil, full of lies, telling you it's all about you. You're at the center. That's what the devil did in heaven. They were worshiping God, connected. There's harmony, and the devil steps up and says, no, it should be all about me right here. And the whole thing shifts and other demons and angels start falling. And when someone says it's all about me, people start falling and shifting instead of what's best for us. So we take time to let this sink in today. And we know God gives us spiritual gifts. Why? Because they're gonna build up other people. Spiritual gifts, special abilities, charismata, grace gifts. 
they're given to you from God, is personal and powerful, and they have purpose. The same source coming from the Holy Spirit, and these spiritual gifts, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, do not neglect your gift. It was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Timothy was a young leader, so much potential. God was calling him and to step into new places and do new things for God. In the message from Paul, he's mentoring Timothy, don't neglect your gift. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. The Corinthians even looked at the gifts and like, I really want the ones that, it's all about me, and I get the recognition, everyone sees me, and like the spectacular ones, and no, slow down. The gifts that build up the church, build up other people, build up your community, that's what's important. Underneath this, there's really three levels. Glorifying God, building up and loving the people around you, and then also, there's you. And you're gonna have the most joy and fulfillment in life when you wanna glorify God, strengthen the people around you, and serve them well. And as you do that, you're gonna come alive. That's the sweet spot right there. But if you focus on me and it's all about me and you're not really kind of half-hearted with glorifying God, you, you kind of serve some other people if it's convenient or if it kind of fits in and you're left over time and energy. If you go with that road, it's a totally different path for your relationship with God. So these key decisions, Paul initially is renewing of the mind. Let's get God's perspective when it comes to spiritual gifts. And if we say yes to God's perspective, it leads to this. We're gonna also gonna serve with God's plan. Because once you have his perspective, now you're like, okay, God, I'm tuned in. What's your plan? How do we move forward? Let's take a look at verse eight. To one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them each uh, to each one just as he determines. We don't worship a God who forgets. We worship a God who's very intentional. And we don't worship a God of chaos, that's not our God. He's the God of order. We don't worship a God who's foolish. He distributes the gifts with wisdom. To become aware of your gift, accept your gift, and be active in your gift. That's the process of growing with Jesus. Become aware of your gift, accept your gift, and then be active with your gift. Uh, did anyone here choose the place they were gonna be born? No. No, right, didn't choose it. Did anyone here choose their parents? I don't think so, I don't think so. I said in the first service, did anyone here choose the color of their eyes or their hair? And someone over here said, I did, I did. So yeah, you can change the color of your hair. You're right, that's good, that's good, I see that. Uh, there's a lot of things in life you can choose. Sometimes we walk around like, I can choose whatever I want, eat time I want. No, that's really not how life works. When it comes to spiritual gifts, they're all coming from the spirit, they're divine power, but you didn't choose your gifts. God distributes the gifts. Aren't you glad we don't have a nine-person committee that's in charge of all the spiritual gifts around here? 
Can you imagine the work those nine people would have to do? Okay, let's see, here's all our options, all our gifts, like who should get which ones, how much? Okay, what would be best? It, what a nightmare, what a headache. We're not sitting around like a vending machine, like God, I'll take two of those, okay, I'll put 10 more bucks in, give me a little more of that. That's not how the gifts work. They are divinely distributed, there's power in the gifts, God has a plan with the gifts, intentionality and wisdom with the gifts. Our role is to become aware, accept, and then be active in the spiritual gifts. Well, what are these gifts? There's nine listed in 1 Corinthians 12. As you look through the Bible, there's some other chapters. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. If you wanna get a wider perspective and view of the gifts, look at those four chapters. I decided as these first two weeks in the series, start out with spiritual gifts. I decided I'll put these gifts up on the screen. It might be helpful, as I know so many people in our church just didn't know all the different gifts or don't know what their gifts are or don't know really what they look like or how they could use the gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, God gives you a spiritual gift. He gives you spiritual gifts. And I wanna make a couple comments on each one to unpack it in a practical way. Administration. That's people who always have a strong sense of organization. And when they show up anywhere that organization is not happening super well, they have some comments because they're like, it could be better, it could be better. Aren't we thankful for people with the gift of administration? Oh, so thankful, so thankful. Because there's some people who just know where things should go and how to make sense of everything and they lay it out and they set everyone up for success. It's like, thank you for using your gift of administration. The second one is discernment. You can tell between good and evil, right and wrong, light and darkness. You just know what's coming from God and what isn't coming from God. And when you meet people, you have that discernment. Evangelism is sharing about Jesus and trusting God with the results. It's sharing and then people are gonna put their trust in Jesus. When you share much, you plant a lot of seeds, there's gonna be a harvest. Exhortation, you know you're around someone with a gift of exhortation. When they just keep saying things that are good, they're from God, they're biblical, and they just come with some passion. You know, like, you should pray instead of worrying. Or, you know, they just, they say things, and it's strong, encouraging, and it's like, whoa, I think the Lord just spoke through you. Exhortation. Faith is trusting God. Even when the circumstances, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, like, you just know God's faithful. You know his character. You know he's good, and you're gonna keep moving forward by faith, not by sight. Giving, that's generosity, the joy of generosity. You know you're married to someone with the gift of giving when they keep saying, can't we give more? Like every time they see a need, they're like, well, let's give there. Let's give some more money here. Like we could go there and do that. They wanna meet every need, give to everybody. Like they're generous, it's awesome. They just have a gift and they're always seeing opportunities to give. Healing and miracles, this can play out in a couple different ways. These miracles, basically, it's beyond with a natural explanation. You have a natural explanation for something, and this is just beyond. We have people who come forward for prayer, and the elders pray, anoint with oil, and tumors are gone, cancer's gone, and they go to the doctor the next day, and the doctor says, I can't even explain this, right? There's healing that happens. Miracles, even driving out demons, uh, you see this around the world, people demon-possessed and driving out demons. Like, how do you explain that in the natural? So that's another way God works. Helps, that's someone who's always looking to come alongside of someone and lighten their load. 
make a difference. I had someone come after first service and say, how can I help you? You know, they're just, they look to help other people. Hospitality, let's open up the home. Let's have more people over. Let's show the love of God. Let's build relationships. How come we don't have anyone in our home? Like, let's, and wherever they go, they just create this sense of your home. And I'm so glad you're here. And our greeters have a lot of hospitality. Interpretation of tongues, this is connected with 17 speaking in tongues. This one's neglected because the Bible says at that time, if people are speaking in tongues on a weekend service, a gathering, there needs to be interpretation of tongues. That was the biblical layout. Where they're speaking in tongues, there needs to be interpretation of tongues. Otherwise, no one can tell what they're saying. And God gave both gifts, and both were supposed to go together. Next is knowledge, 11, and also wisdom in 20. Uh, we think of knowledge and wisdom. It's not just doctrinal truth, although that's important, knowledge of scripture and so forth, but it's also wise choices for living. Wisdom is how to do life, and we need both. Number 12, leadership. Leaders, uh, they're not content with the status quo. Leaders always see the potential, and then leaders wanna help people to move forward with God. They wanna help everyone get to the top of the mountain. They're, they're not happy just sitting in just status quo. Oh, great, let's just hang out. Leaders are just thinking through, how can I influence? How can I encourage? How can we move forward together? And then they bring other people along. If you think you're a leader and no one's following, you're just taking a walk, is the old saying. <laughs> uh, mercy, that's when you look out and you just, in a room, you see people who are hurting. You see the one who's all alone. You see the one who needs prayer and encouragement. And you go to those people that are often overlooked and you have a gift of empathy and mercy. Preaching is the proclamation. Uh, preachers talk too much. They need to work on listening. But preaching <laughs> is the proclamation. Prophecy is twofold. It's foretelling things to come. It's also foretelling things that are. When someone speaks in a prophetic way, you just know it's true and they're saying things, it just feels like, yeah, that was the elephant in the room and no one else saw it or named it. You know, prophetically, they're, they're giving direction from God in settings with a lot of courage. And they're also they, looking ahead to the future. Two examples of prophecy. Serving, active, rolling up the sleeves, making a difference. Let's stop talking about how we're gonna serve and let's do something. That's the gift of serving. Speaking in tongues, Again, two descriptions there. There's different opinions on this. Some look back to Pentecost and other languages uh, are involved. Uh, but more commonly, speaking in tongues is a private personal language. People praying to God deep out of their spirit. And then shepherding. Shepherds are not wimps. Yes, there's a lot of encouragement and there's love and comfort. Shepherds also risk their lives, lay down their lives, and protect the sheep. Uh, shepherding, caring for people's souls. Teaching is more explaining, connecting the dots, filling in the blanks. When you listen to a teacher, you're like, light bulbs go on. Oh, that's how that works. And then wisdom we talked about. Is that helpful to think through those gifts right there? All right. And as we went through that list, some of those gifts, you probably thought, that's me. And yes, you have those gifts. Other people have maybe told you. Maybe when we went through that list, you're thinking about your spouse, your friend, your life group. You can share with other people. I think you have the gift of teaching. I think you have the gift of administration. I think you have the gift of service. Like you can build up those gifts. Here's uh, one comment I wanna add is that some people think those gifts are no longer for today or some of those gifts are no longer for today. And that position theologically is called cessationalism, which means to cease. 
they don't exist today. I don't hold that position. Again, I go back to scripture and I just don't see in scripture that the Holy Spirit is gonna stop working and a whole bunch of gifts are not for today. I just don't see that anywhere in scripture. And so as I look at scripture, uh, I just can't agree with that position. Now, if you're here and you have that position, we love you. You're part of the church family. It's not a major in the faith, it's a minor. And then we continue to go to scripture because ultimately that's where we wanna be. Uh, experientially, personally, I just haven't seen those gifts stop, uh, but it's important to keep that in mind. When you uh, think about the gifts and talents God has given to you, Proverbs eighteen sixteen says this, a gift opens the way, ushers the giver into the presence of the great when you think of gifts you give to people, it starts to open up doors, love, and conversations. And then when you use the abilities, when you use the spiritual gifts that God's given to you, he's gonna open up doors, exciting doors. God gives you gifts to develop. And when you're faithful in developing and using those gifts, growing in those gifts, God is gonna open up doors and reach people that you never imagined. There is so much potential loaded in your gifts. So, be aware, be active. SHAPE is another resource, an acronym. In these first two weeks, we've highlighted. Here's a free shapetest.com. A lot of people took this last week. Some gave me the results. Say, well, why is it good to walk through your spiritual gifts, your heart, abilities, personality, experiences? Why is it good to reflect on that? Because you start to recognize how God has wired and designed you. Do you know you're an original? There's nobody like you. You're an original. You don't have to copy other people. You embrace how God's designed you and you walk in that. And it's good to remember, recognize how God's wired you and then recommit. Sometimes when it's laid out, like in this free shape test, it's laid out, you look at that and you're like, yes, that's how God's wired me. That's what God's called me to do. I know it, I'm gonna walk in it by faith, let's go. And that piece right there is catalytic for moving forward and being active. When you're active in your gift, you, you light up. You, you got energy, you come alive. You know this is what I'm wired to do. This is why I'm on earth. This is how God's gonna use me to make this a better place, to make these relationships better, to build up other people. You, you just don't wanna do other stuff because you know this is what God's made me to do. And you guard it in your time and your schedule. I'm made for this. And the beauty is, it's not just a couple people in this room. All of us can be active in the gifts and the calling that God gives. And the more that we're active, then where we live, work, learn, or play, men, women, children, Jesus is glorified in a mighty way when the body of Christ realizes this isn't just for one section or a staff or just for people who've walked with Jesus for 40 years, it's for people in day one of following Jesus. All this is for you in Christ. I know there's things that drain me, uh, and you have that in your job. Uh, I mean, when there's tech issues, slow Wi-Fi, Right, Computers aren't working, that, that's draining right there. Conflict can be draining when, when you've got that unnecessary, unwanted conflict. It's draining uh, sometimes when you have extra meetings. Who likes extra meetings? Especially if they go too long and you're not really doing anything important, right? Like there's things in our job that just drain us no matter what your work is. And the more you can 
Again, put limits on those things, delegate those things, and focus on how God has wired you. That's when you're gonna come alive. And for me, if I can do preaching, leading, and evangelism, it doesn't matter if some hard things happen that week, I start to feel like I'm coming alive again. There's purpose again. God's moving again. And that's spiritual gifts. They're very significant. Be active in your spiritual gifts. And this is what I would say in terms of uh, the message about spiritual gifts, opportunities, invitations to glorify God, to serve. Three reactions, three reactions in the body of Christ. The first one, I could lay this out and the phrase is usually like, I'll pray about it. And it's monotone, I'll pray about it. And eyes are kind of glazed over, like, are you really asking me? I'll pray about it. And I'll pray about it, that's about 95% of the time a no. That, that, that's a no. That's become the phrase in Christian circles when someone shares an opportunity about your spiritual gift and so forth and you don't wanna do it and you try to be polite and you don't wanna have any conflict or anything awkward. And so you don't even wanna talk about it, you just say, I'll, I'll pray about that. And the eyes say everything. It's like, oh, when someone does that, it's like, oh, that's already done. That's already decided. Don't, don't even need to wait the next couple days. Like, they might not even respond back. So that's one opportunity. You, you just say, Let's, let me pray about it. That's one phrase. Then you've kind of got the middle ground, which is like, let me check my schedule. And the eyes aren't glazed over. They're kind of thinking, like, oh, that would be cool. There's some opportunities. Maybe God's in that. Okay, I've got a couple other things. Like, let me check my schedule. I'm gonna get back to you. That's maybe I'm sorting through some pros and cons. Maybe on that one, you know? And that's different response. And then there's a third response, which is, let's go. Let's go. And, and there's fire in the eyes, and there's fire in the soul, and you see that somebody knows that God's in this, my name's on it, God's gonna change lives, and I'm not gonna sit around with excuses, let's go for this thing. And it doesn't take long when you talk about spiritual gifts and glorifying God and building up the body to know exactly where someone sits because they either monotone, eyes kind of glazed over, like, let me pray about that. I don't wanna do it. I'm not gonna tell you. Let's pray about it. And then some of you be like, yeah, let me, let me think about that. Let me check the schedule. Like, let me get right back to you. Okay, got it. You're taking it seriously. And then let's go for the glory of God. And the key here, Paul can't make the Corinthians shift from eyes glazed over to a fire in the soul. Paul can't do it. In this room, there's no pressure. This isn't guilt, this isn't shame. At the core for the Corinthians, at the core for us, is will you invite God in and let him lead what he's already given you? That's at the crux. Will you trust God and invite him in and let him lead and empower you in what he's already given to you? And that's not only God's perspective, that's God's plan to build up the body through the body and the gifts that he gives us. Now, the last part is to serve with God's power. The Bible says that it's easy to have the form of religion, but not the power of God. A lot of people are gonna settle for being churchy, but not have the power of God. God has drenched and saturated certain elements of our faith with his power. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, Jew and Gentile. 
The gospel is this, Jesus Christ died for our sins and he's risen from the grave. When you share the gospel, it already has the power of God. You don't have to fake it or manufacture it. All you have to do is lift up Jesus and people will be drawn to him. I sometimes get scared on the inside, but then I just, I share the gospel and I trust God with the results. God will change lives. The gospel changes lives. Jesus changes everything. Just share the gospel and watch God work. It's not your power. It's loaded with power, that gospel. Three billion people haven't heard it yet. Share the gospel. The next thing that's loaded with power, the word of God. The word of God, the Bible right here, 66 books, God's word, it's living and active. It is powerful. You bring the word, the word doesn't come back void to God. In a church, you water down the word, you're gonna water down the power of God. This is already loaded with power. All you have to do is spend time in it, do it, memorize it, share it with others. It's drenched with power. The power of God is already there. You don't have to wonder like, hmm, I wonder if there's power in the word. I wonder, I wonder. It's already there. There's power in the gospel, power in the word. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's no forgiveness of sins except the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in the blood. There's power in God's presence. The Holy Spirit will come on you with power, spiritual power. You don't have much of the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna have much power. You have the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with spiritual power. You can't separate it. You can't say, oh, I'll have a lot of spiritual power, but not much of the Holy Spirit. No, you either have one or the other, a lot of the Spirit and a lot of power, or not much Spirit and not much power. See, we don't decide power. God chooses what's powerful. God chooses how he distributes and manifests his power. And your spiritual gift is powerful. You have been given a spiritual gift that's drenched with power from the Holy Spirit. How do we know? This is where it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the same source, the distributor is the Holy Spirit. And in these verses we read today, five times, manifestation of the Spirit, same Spirit, one Spirit, from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working mightily in you and through you, beyond you, through the spiritual gift. It already has power. And you can think of it this way. There's perfect unity with the Trinity. Connected starts with the Trinity. Perfect unity and community with the Trinity. There were false teachers in Corinth, docetism. What'd they try to do? Deny the Trinity, deny the humanity of Jesus. What happens when false teachers start to spread a false message? The people of God don't have truth. They start to embrace half-truths and lies. So instead of focusing on God and the Trinity and perfect unity and community, how do we have that kind of unity and community? By abiding with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we have that unity. What happens when we listen to false teaching? In our marriage, in our life group, in our church, unity starts to crumble. Why? Because we get self-centered. We get complacent. We get materialistic. We start to love pleasures more than God. We start to love money more than the Messiah. Things start to happen and unity breaks down. How are we gonna have unity? Through spiritual gifts, unity is strengthened. When a church is using their spiritual gifts to build each other up, you have a very strong united church. When the church, the people of God, get complacent, 
selfish, stingy with their gifts and the talents God's given them, unity breaks down. How can we have a unity that glorifies God and looks and seems like the Trinity? It's by recognizing our spiritual gifts, being active with each other and building other people up. Starts at home, flows into life groups, flows into this place. That's God's design. It's where God's power already is. And that's where there's freedom and there's joy. Freedom is not doing whatever I want whenever I wanna do it. That's not freedom. Freedom is knowing the difference between what's from God and what isn't from God what's right and what's not right, and having the power of God to choose and do what's right because it glorifies God, it changes lives, and that's where I'm gonna find fulfillment. That's freedom. And people, you know, Acts chapter eight, verse 18, looking at this verse here, they thought, well, I see what's happening. Let, let me buy some of that. When Simon saw the spirit was given into laying hands, the apostles' hands, he offered them money. People get confused. Like, well, how can I have that peace? How can I have the Holy Spirit? Do I, do I buy you, you can buy some merch out here, great merch in the lobby, but you can't buy the Spirit. You, you can't buy the gifts of the Spirit. And, and you say, well, 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy was a young leader. Paul mentored him. Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy, fan it into flame, the gifts God's given to you. Let me ask you today, what's your spiritual temperature? What's your spiritual temperature? Is it white hot, fan into flame? Are you kind of lukewarm on the spiritual temperature? How about your gifts? Fan it into flame. Your family, our church family, the community. Would you say, because when you use your gifts, it's like a fire, a fire that burns up the lies, burns up the selfishness, complacency. It's like a fire. Would you say, fan into flame, that things are on fire right now? Or are you putting out the fire of God? putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul says to Timothy, fan the flame. I'm gonna close with an encouragement around fanning the flame, and we're gonna go down to Texas. Anyone wanna go down to Texas right now? How many people have ever heard of Possum Trot, Texas? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Possum Trot, Texas. We had one in the first service. I don't think we have any in this service. Bishop Martin and also his wife, Donna. Here's a picture of Bishop Martin, and this is what's happening in Possum Trot, Texas. You might not know of that city because there's only 700 people in Possum Trot, Texas. Next time you go to Texas, you can check it out. Now, we know God works in the unexpected ways, unexpected places, places and ways that are not on people's radar, and you wouldn't think, oh, there would be a movement in America that starts in Possum Trot, Texas. No committee's ever gonna say, if we get possum trot, I think we get the nation, right? That's not gonna happen. So what's happening there? God moves. And both the Bishop Martin and his wife Donna notice that nobody's taking care of kids in the Texas foster care system. And their heart's breaking for kids that don't have parents or a family or a forever home. So they adopt a little boy and a little girl and they start to look at scripture and they see Moses is adopted and they see Esther's adopted and they see that all of us are adopted into God's family through Jesus. And they see the relationship between Jesus and Joseph and the adoption element there. And God continues to move in their hearts. When you are faithful with your gifts, you're gonna inspire other people far beyond what you know. And their church started to step up. Single parents, couples, and grandparents completed the training 
And this resulted in 28 families adopting 77 children. He says, together we have one of the best wraparound support groups that you could ever have inside of a church. And it's been catalytic in this movement, church to child movement across our nation. Currently over 400,000 children right now in the foster care system. And he says, in Christ, it's Christ who strengthens us. We can do this. He said, there are hundreds of thousands of churches. I believe that if the church were to focus on, let's say a church adopted two kids, we would knock out the system just like that. It could happen so quick. Now, adoption isn't for everybody, but think about these different gifts that are involved. Some people are praying, some are giving. Some have the gift of hospitality, shepherding. Some have the gift of exhortation. There's some evangelism happening. There's a wide range of gifts that are all coming together with one purpose. And he's saying, look what can happen when we unite with one purpose. God's perspective, God's plan, God's power. God's perspective, God's plan, God's power. I wanna invite the elders to come forward right now. And when we talk about God's power, I can't think of any way to access or receive God's power more than in prayer. And this is a prayer time that God lays out in the word for us to come forward and to seek him. So I'm gonna ask us all to stand up right now and some can start to come forward. If you're ready to receive and follow Jesus for the first time, come forward today. If you have physical pain in your body and you've been seeing the doctors and now you also want prayer, come forward. If you're going through some relationships and there's some emotional things that you need prayer for, Come forward. You just simply say, this is why I'm coming forward. This is why I need prayer. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. And God, we thank you for our church family. We thank you, God, for meeting us in this moment in the ways you're gonna answer prayer. We're gonna give you the glory. And we thank you, God, that when we're aligned with the word, we know your power flows. And we trust you in Jesus' name.